Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Season 2. On this episode of Aka Education, Justin speaks with Amanda Hanslick, choral director at E.O. Smith High School in Storrs, Connecticut, about her path to discovering contemporary a cappella and how she has incorporated it into her classroom. Justin and Amanda also discuss a variety of ideas and resources on how to find appropriate contemporary a cappella repertoire for your ensembles. Let's get ready. Aka Education starts now. It's the Aka Education Podcast. The Aka Education Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Justin Glodish with yet another episode of the Aka Education Podcast. And this week with me, I have one amazing educator. She is a former Grammy Educator Award semifinalist. She is the immediate past president of the Connecticut ACDA chapter, a fine, fine educator. Her name is Amanda Hanslick. Amanda, welcome to the Aka Education Podcast. Hi, Justin. Thank you so much for having me. It's a thrill to be here. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's funny. Every time I ask somebody to come onto the show, it's usually me like sending Facebook messages or, or whatever. <laughs> and then I go through like the mutual friends list and it's just mind blowing the amount of people that we like we know together, but we've never officially met. So this is like our first time conversing and things. It's yeah. just it's just mind blowing that we know the same amount of people. We um, do. I noticed that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a small world, especially it in the is. choral education. But as you start getting into the acapella world, it becomes even smaller. So yeah. Um, now you uh, are actually doing some great things out in stores. If anyone doesn't know where stores is, all you have to, I, in my opinion, all you need to know is Yukon. Um, that's pretty right. much. I, I mean, I have some friends who used to go there and they, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. They've always told me that store, like UConn is stores, stores is UConn, but you're, <laughs> you're, but you're one of the teachers out there at the high school. And, um, you actually have recently just started your own group. And one of the things I wanted to focus on this week was since school is starting back up and some, you know, some schools are actually getting back into the swing of things. Um, um, even though we're kind of still in this pandemic, um, you know, things are a little bit looser than they were this past year, I'd say. Um, and some people might be looking to start some new groups and you're actually right at that moment. So I'm curious, um, what got you into the contemporary acapella scene and what led you to start your group at your school? Sure. Well, uh, yes, it is true. I live in stores, Connecticut, and I, I also teach there at the local high school. It's, uh, it's called EO Smith high school. And it actually is right on campus at the university of Connecticut. Oh, nice. And we have about a thousand kids in the school. It's actually an agricultural magnet school. Mm. And, um, you know, we've had what's a very much kind of traditional, what you would consider a traditional, choral program and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, having a chamber singers, a concert choir, you know, the kind of typical things that go along with that kind of, you know, high school package, the stereotypical high school choir package. Right. And, uh, I really, really, really fell in love with acapella music, um, really with pentatonics, honestly, uh, mm -hmm. when, when that 
when they first came out, when I was watching the sing-off, and I mean, of course, I'm a choral musician, I'm a singer, I, I love vocal music in all forms, of course, but it will it was that kind of uh, revolutionary sound that started to filter into other schools and other fellow educators were just so excited about their students being so excited <laughs> about acapella mm -hmm. music in general that I just started to, I became a fan. You know, I really became a fan. I sent several of my own students from EO Smith High School to the Acapella Academy experience. Nice. In Los Angeles. And I, I got to know uh, Ben Bram through, mm -hmm. through that experience because we, we shared students. And I would reach out and ask for some of the arrangements and things like that that my students had experienced that I wanted to look at and then sing with my students. So I really got started um, looking at the choir songs that my students were experiencing at the academy. That's mm -hmm. how I really got into it because that was the kind of repertoire uh, that I could really relate to even, but it, you know, it didn't, it, it had that vibe, right. you know, it had that sound where it was kind of this interesting and unique genre where acapella was meeting choral music. Right. And I thought, you know what? I really love, I'm really deeply compelled by acapella music, but I know that I can get into it <laughs> this way. That was like my entry point. Mm -hmm. And I then explored, uh, you know, I actually went to a conference and I heard another choir singing um, one of Rob Dietz's pieces. It's a version of Wade in the Water. Mm -hmm. And when I heard it, I thought, I'm going to do this piece. <laughs> so I found it. I did it. I reached out to Rob. Um, and so really creating a friendship with Rob has sent, sent me into the next, next level of exploring a lot of his pieces of music, which have become more and more and more, um, I guess, uh, typical of the genre of what we all think of as acapella music. Right. And so I've been dipping my toe in little by little by little. Um, my, my son is actually an original member. I'm not sure if you know of this group, but they are the Acapop kids. Yes, uh, actually, um, we had uh, Lizzie Ultrasonic Newell on here last season. Oh, that's right. That is yeah. right. So my, my son is an original member of okay. the Acapop kids, which... Uh, obviously had me deep into the genre in a really different way right from his experience as essentially a student you know mm -hmm. experiencing this and so my eyes and my ears were all over all over the scores and honestly it was just these little tiny different i don't want to say tiny but these little experiences these um experiences at the conference with my son with my students that, that made me feel more brave to dive into the genre because I graduated high school in 1994. Yes, everyone, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> 1994, and there was nothing like this. I've right. never rehearsed this kind of music before. I've never seen it. I've never read it, felt it, been inside of it. Mm -hmm. So I never felt confident to teach it. That's fair. In, That's fair. Yeah. In, in a way, because because it felt um, 
just outside of my expertise, you know? And so little by little, I'm feeling uh, more comfortable. And honestly, I feel more inspired to right. engage. The more I listen, the more I experience. And this past summer, I engaged with the educator program at the Acapella Academy. Mm-hmm. And that was a wonderful week with uh five other educators. It was, of course, all virtual and online, uh, but it taught me so much um, because I actually got to learn and sing and record a piece that I never would have engaged with otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it it gave me a completely different perspective having lived inside of it as a performer. Right. I love, I love that, you know, Ben, Rob... Avi, you know, everyone involved yeah. with Acapella yeah. Academy like, yeah. really makes it not just for the students who come, but for the educators as well. You know, one of my former buddies um, from undergrad actually um, was involved um, with some of the acapella camps and whatnot and kind of brought that information to his kids when he was teaching down in Florida. And, you know, they, his group in Florida, just, they released an album that just got nominated for a bunch of car awards. And it's just mm-hmm. the, and I, I mean, I met Rob, I used to live in Ithaca, you know, when he was mm-hmm. in high and actually, he was on uh, our last episode of the first season. And I, we, we talked about how the group I was in, we kind of wanted Rob to join us and stars didn't align and, and things like that. And then Rob just went on to be who he is today. And, right. and it's just, it's amazing. So, you know, you bring him up and you actually, you shared with me and I mean, not for nothing, he actually posted uh cause he was so proud of it. It was an original piece that uh, I believe his wife actually wrote the lyrics to, I believe that your, yeah, your sang and it's just, it's a beautiful piece. And um, what I love is that you, you mentioned how, um, I, I usually send out a questionnaire to, to my guests and you put on here, um, you had some thoughts uh, uh, as opposed to questions. You had some thoughts about some things and you put it in all caps and I, I, I beg to differ, but you say, oh, no. there's, <laughs> what did I there's, say? There's, there's this intimidation factor with acapella because you feel that you're old. You're, you're part of this older generation that might not right. experience it. And that's not true. I mean, I mean, again, your son had, took part in acapop kids, you know, the rise of pentatonics. I mean, I mean, for me, you know, back in 94, I was watching where in the world is Carmen San Diego. You know, I was right. getting my acapella fix from Rockapella, but that was, that was <laughs> right. something to watch on TV. There right. was no sheet music for what they were doing. Right. You know, my, my elementary, middle and high school experience was mostly, you know, singing pop tunes that were right. arranged by, you know, the slew of choral arrangers that are out there uh, creating harmonies that didn't ex- actually exist in the music, but they tried to give it some sort of choral flair, you right. know, and um, there were show choirs, there were jazz choirs, mm-hmm. you know, there were those yeah. that weren't really yeah. the acapella groups. So, and then when I got into college, college was my first real experience with an acapella group, you know, so I, I'm in the same boat as you are. And it just, it okay. took the practicing, the love of it, and and then sure. just growing from that, and the experiences that I think you and I have both had in in two completely different um you know realms has really brought us to where we are now. Right. So, well, and honestly, I'm sorry. sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that um, one of the other things that I mentioned to you, you know, previously was that it's also been not just the age range and the lack of experience, you know, just the 
the timing, um, right. but it's also been been access to arrangements. Absolutely. It that was my next access, thing. Absolutely. It has been the access to arrangements. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, like, so in 2013, Pentatonics came to Yukon, mm-hmm. and they were there to performed two concerts at like, you know, the big performance hall on campus. And then they judged the university of Connecticut sing off mm. for all of the acapella ensemble on there. campus. Yep. And, uh, the, the, the day before that contest was to happen, they did a master class with my choirs mm. and with the university of Connecticut choirs. And it was absolutely life-changing for just the culture in my, in my choir. Right. Um, you know, how many high school choirs can say that the pentatonics, you know, did a masterclass with them, hung out with them, sang, sang with them, talked to them about acapella. And I will say that even from my perspective, just being a fan and a, an admirer of their work and their sound, um, it was so inspiring to hear them make music in real time without microphones to talk about their writing process And I sat back and I watched the way my students engaged with them. Yeah. And it was so, so inspiring. And the kids were so moved by the experience that I knew that I needed, that I absolutely had to engage in some way. And it's been a really slow progression. Um, And part of it is, I'll, I'll hop back to the accessibility factor, but it's how do you find those recordings? How do you, not, I don't mean recordings, I'm sorry. How do you find those arrangements? Mm-hmm. Where are they? Where do they live? You know, I, I, I like many other choral directors, you know, you're looking on JW Pepper yeah. and howleonard.com and like the big, the big warehouses of, you know, of print, music, of yeah. print publication of choral music. And often I have found that when you get into those uh, bigger, you know, companies, what they have for contemporary acapella or their acapella offerings are often way too complex mm-hmm. for, say, middle school kids or kids in high school. Um, and there's an, not really an awareness necessarily of what's good, what's bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's developmentally appropriate, Um at least there wasn't for me in the beginning, right? Right. I just had to kind of dig through it myself and take the time and talk to people and ask people for recordings and ask people to send me their their scores. And and even like with Rob Dietz, with our recording and our project last year, you know, the piece is called All I Know of Love. Mm -hmm. And it was a commission. So I was able to ask Rob exactly you know, for what I wanted and what we needed and how it fit our specific group. But I know that not every school has, you know, the resources to be able to do that, to be able to do a commissioned project that's kind of tailored to the exact voices that you have in your, in your ensemble. Um, so I think that a lot of teachers, at least a lot of my friends who have not yet you know, gone into the deep end, so to speak, with with creating an an actual acapella ensemble. A lot of it has had to do with just accessibility uh, to literature mm-hmm. and the comfort level with engaging with that literature once it's found. Right. Um, 
So, but I, I do see over the past couple of years, honestly, and you can tell me if you see this as well, but I definitely see a different kind of um, presence in coral, in traditional coral circles. Yeah. I definitely see, uh, uh, it's just, it lives. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not so niche anymore and so kind of uh, on its own. Um, I see acapella literature. I see presentations being, you know, happening at the, you know, national ACDA conference, at the regional ACDA conferences. And, mm-hmm. you know, Rob presented at the the national ACDA this year and it was packed. Right. People were like in the waiting rooms. They were trying to get in because it was so wanted. It was so right. desired. People want to know more about acapella. They want to learn about it. Because honestly, if you're teaching at the high school or middle school level, your students want it. Right. I they remember um, I remember I had actually presented in uh, Salt Lake City, I think it was 2015. Mm. Um yeah, it was yeah, it was 2015 because yeah. uh, it was right before my son was born, and I remember presenting on acapella there. It was same situation, and um, you know there I uh, got to meet up again with like Brody McDonald. I met uh, Dr. J. Frizzell there. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was all these people that I knew about talking through email like that, but now physically getting to see them, but also being able right. to present to people on on these topics. You know, and um, you know Rob. Rob's more well versed than I am because he he he's living, breathing it right now out in LA, you know. Right. And um, you know, you had mentioned how there is this, there's this shift in in these circles. You know, we, we mentioned show choirs. My the high school director mm-hmm. in my district, her show choir he actually um transformed about five years ago into an acapella group, um, less show choir, more, um, you know, right. acapella singing. Right. And, and some, a lot of the students in her, um, groups are, they are music theory students of hers and she actually has them arrange their own, you know, using the information and knowledge have. And that's something that I think a lot of ed educators are, um, I don't want to say threatened, but they're, they're intimidated by is the arrangement process itself. Like if, right. if there isn't a piece out there for my students, should I do it myself? And then the right. question of legality comes into play. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know Roger Emerson a couple of weeks ago, he had given, you know, an idea about copyright and stuff. But one of the yeah. greatest things that I've seen recently, and I believe it's Hal Leonard that put it out there, is this website called Arrange Me. Yes. And it gives yes. you the opportunity with all of these pop titles to actually arrange. Absolutely. Post, post on, you know, for sale. And, yeah. you know, there's the legality is taken care of. You know, right. for me, who right. arranges for a middle school group that you rarely see, you know, arrangements out there. If I see a pentatonics arrangement out there that I want to do with my middle schoolers, I'd have to get like the S. SA version and it takes out, you know, a couple of parts and it changes, right. it just changes the whole complexity and, and it finds me trying to play the bass line on the piano anyways. It, it doesn't give that same feel, you right. know, and, um, and I think that in the past, especially in the past couple of years with Arrange Me coming out of nowhere, Note Flight, uh, Note Flight Marketplace, which is now right. part of, like all these different websites are really yeah. giving me the opportunity to find those things. Yes, so for absolutely. those of you out there that are like freaking out about where to find repertoire, it is out there. And um, Amanda uh-huh. did mention Ben Brom, you know, Ben or Bram. Sorry, I keep on saying Brom because I had a kid named <laughs> Brom in my school. That's um, okay. Uh, ben Bram, you know, some of his arrangements are actually on, you know, J.W. Pepper. They are. Um, in fact, one of his arrangements, If I Die Young by the band Perry, um, I've done it in both districts that I've worked in and it's Slade. Yes. 
I, I, I did it. I did it with my kids, I think five years ago and they just yeah. loved it. It's, it's, it's yeah. accessible and it's beautifully yeah. done, you know? Yeah. And, um, and honestly, it's kind of the, an amazingly perfect first, mm-hmm. first piece to it investigate. Is. If you are a choir teacher who is feeling a little shy about this, about, you know, stepping into experiencing this genre and teaching it, that arrangement is an amazing first one. It is. Yeah, it and, really uh, is. There's another guy out there, actually, um, when I was with my group, uh, he's one of Brody McDonald's former students. His name is Brian Sharp. He arran- he actually arranges for Brody's group, 11th Hour, which is another mm-hmm. sing-off contest, uh, family mm-hmm. contestant, if you will. But he arranges some great stuff. And he's young. He's like in his he's in his mid-20s, and he does some beautiful stuff. Um, but again, like... If you aren't familiar with the acapella arrangers, you know, it could be difficult yeah, to find that it stuff. Is. You know, it is, I mean, yes. If you are outside of the world of acapella, mm-hmm. you kind of don't know where to go, except for, like we said, like the JW Peppers, the Hal Leonards, you know, yeah. all of those places, that's where you turn, you yeah. know, for your resources. And so um, just having those arrangers becoming more visible and more kind of in kind of the mainstream choral uh, zone, it's what it's, it's, it's a really, really key and important element, I think, in to getting more teachers like me mm-hmm. uh, interested and invested because they have resources provided for them and they're not having to reinvent when they already feel like they're reinventing, (laughs) you know, and learning something new. So it doesn't feel as daunting. It feels, uh, you feel supported. Right. And I mean, as we're having this conversation, I I didn't even think of this kind of sprung on me because, you know, you're in stores, you're at UConn, there's several groups there. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people, um, you know, a lot of educators could actually look back at their they're alma maters and maybe look at those college acapella groups and find out who's arranging for them. Yes. Is it an actual student in the group or yep. are they out then like, there's your resources right there. And if you happen to right. be a part of a group when you were in college, the alumni connections that you have are just huge. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. And um, this actually leads me into the next thing because we're talking about repertoire. Um, sure. You know, you are the immediate past president, meaning you just finished up your term, I believe. Yes, that, July first. <laughs> oh man, Woo, um, it was a wild were... couple of years, Justin. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I give you all the credit in the world. I mean, anybody who's had you know position of leadership in larger organizations, trying to uh, you know keep the air, airplane afloat as it's falling apart, you know, that's, yeah. uh, that's amazing. Um, but you are the president of the Connecticut chapter of ACDA yeah. and, um, you are mentioning the potential, uh, appointing of a repertoire resource chair strictly for contemporary acapella. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because as a New Yorker, like I would love, um, I mean, and if anyone from NISMA is listening, I would totally do this. Like, hook me up. I will be right. happy to okay. do it. Okay, or or the New York or the New York ACDA. I actually, I, I know the president of New York. I might give them a call, but I think yes. this is something that should be considered. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about sure. um, the idea of the repertoire research chair for contemporary? Yeah, absolutely. So, every state chapter for the American Choral Directors Association. Uh, they have designated what are called repertoire and resources chairs, you know, so there will be one for middle school or high school or children's choirs, collegiate, 
community, church, so on and so forth. And um, the current president uh, is a big acapella uh, fan, and um, his name is Matt Harrison. He's the new president. And our president-elect, who is a music education professor, her name is Kara Bernard, uh, Mm -hmm. the three of us have talked often about this We've talked about adding this kind of a of a repertoire and resources chair to that list of of um, you know kind of groupings of right. of um, repertoire. I guess you know the word is resources, right? right. Um, the the reading sessions. Someone who's in charge of when someone emails me and says, "Hey, I'm looking for such and such," I send them to that repertoire person and they can help them out to find what they need. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But a couple of years ago, this this was actually before COVID hit. um, We were like ready to do it, (laughs) ready Mm -hmm. to add this, this acapella chair and COVID happened and it all like, we were in panic crisis mode. And so that did not happen, but the discussion is open and there, and um, we're definitely going to put like a call out to the entire membership. Like, Who's interested? Who, who you know, wants to explore this with the membership? Um, we have had a lot of interest in the Connecticut ACDA, ACDA about acapella singing in general. And actually, in 2019, um, we had I'm sure you know Shams Ahmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came and was, uh, you know, a clinician and uh, worked with all of the choral directors in Connecticut. Uh, around acapella literature, starting a group in your schools, and then he directed the director's choir for the day. And we sang nice. acapella. We, we sang, like, uh, you know, One Republic. It was amazing. And, yeah. and the teachers had the best time. Mm-hmm. It was really challenging for them, and it was great, and they loved it. And they were really inspired you know, but I do think that it takes state chapters doing something like that, you know, where it's like you bring experts in, you sing the literature together, you know, right. uh, in, a, in like a really supportive, safe kind of space. Um, and you get people excited about it. And uh, it was it was really, really amazing. But I will tell you, one of the main questions in his session was, where do I find music? Right. Can you point it's, me to music? Where do I find so music? It's so difficult. Yeah. So that that was kind of the big takeaway for me watching it, and I was like, "Oh, we need a resource chair to find repertoire for people." Yeah. So now that like life is kind of starting to happen with choir in Connecticut, um, you know, our our rules right now are you know three feet of distance between us all and masked. That is yep, same here. Yep. That is what's happening in Connecticut. And um, so we have not explored venturing into that right now, just because no one's been having concerts. No one's been having anything, you know, and mm-hmm. um, we weren't really sure what the uh, suggested guidelines and protocols would be for this com- for this academic year. But now that we know what they are, I have a feeling a lot more acapella ensembles are going to be popping up and happening. And I definitely, definitely plan to, you know, in my role as past president to advocate for the genre, you know, within our state chapter and advocate for the establishment of 
an actual person <laughs> who is in charge of helping uh, you know, the state chapter be exposed to acapella literature and helping us to find it when we need it. That would be great. I mean, I know yeah. here in, in, in New York State, and I don't know if it's the same in Connecticut, I know it's different in every other state. Um, we usually have, you know, we have zones of um, like our counties are divided into zones. Right. So we have all these different zones and they host their own area all state festivals. Mm -hmm. And then each county has like an all county festival. And I know that some of my friends down on Long Island, um, they've been hosting like their own, you know, acapella festivals for years. Right. And actually not, not too long ago, they actually advocated for, this is in Suffolk County, um, they advocated for a contemporary acapella ensemble for their all county mm -hmm. festival. So now students audition for that contemporary acapella ensemble. But again, it comes down to who do they know that can handle repertoire? Who do they know that can bring in the repertoire and, right. and things like that? But I think as you're saying, you find somebody who's in charge of finding that repertoire, you're going to see a lot more of these possibly pop up. You know, right. it's been a discussion that's been, um, been maybe trying to discuss in my own County. Um, but again, if you have someone in place to do it, it's bound to happen at some point. So Right. I love and that, I think, I love I that you're advocating having, for it too. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that obviously, I mean, all the time, but really right now, choral directors absolutely need support. They need mm -hmm. support. They need encouragement. They need to be valued and seen. And, uh, and those foundational elements, like like what you said, like your your NIS, your NISMA and ACDA in 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 the different states, like those are the resources and those are the groups that really will provide. Hopefully, we'll be providing that kind of support to teachers, mm -hmm. and um, and I think that teachers are going to be coming <laughs> out of their shells, so to speak, this year um, and ready to engage with choral music and with obviously, hopefully new forms and things that inspire them, you know, right. um, rather than just the survival of the past 18 months, <laughs> yeah, you know, survival. Yes, um, yes. but you know, like, honestly, we are starting, uh, you know, like I said, we've really been living in the <laughs> land of the intersection of choir and acapella. Mm -hmm. And this year is the first year we are holding auditions and we're going to have an acapella ensemble. That's fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you. Thank I'm excited you, for thank you. you. I'm so excited too. And the kids, I mean, I've got so many kids signed up to audition. I'm like, oh Lord, what have I done? <laughs> I, <know laughs> I might that have feeling. to have two. I might have to have two ensembles. Um, but I, you know, they're going to learn and I'm going to learn and yeah. we're going to take it slow and we're going to have fun with it. And we're going to try things I'm sure that won't work. And I'm going to try things that I'm sure will work. You know, I, I just feel like we'll navigate our way through it all. Um, but I will definitely say that attending that educator experience through the Acapella Academy, as well as having uh, explored choral music with an acapella sensibility mm -hmm. has really helped me to come into uh, the genre and the literature in a much more um, just, I think, confident but comfortable way. Right. You know, it doesn't feel scary. It feels good. It feels familiar. But I know I'm going to learn something. I know I'm going to be challenged. And actually, I am. I'm here for that. <laughs> I'm. I. I love being 
I love being challenged. I love learning new things. I, I want to be the absolute best teacher that I can be for my students mm-hmm. and honestly, and honestly for myself and, and for my colleagues. And I just think that acapella holds so much opportunity for, um, not only musical growth, obviously, but just joy and connection to each other. And what I've seen in acapella ensembles over and over and over, uh, and what my students have told me over and over again that they have experienced, whether it's uh, in their college groups, right? They've gone on to college and then they report back. Or my students who've gone to the acapella academy is the intense trust that they you build with their ensemble. And of course you have to have it, right? You, yeah. you have to have it in that kind of an environment and in that kind of singing. And so for me, I'm really, really interested in like the social and emotional perspective of acapella, of the acapella experience and of the kind of community that will be created and how that will filter out into the rest of the choral program. Right. And That's what I'm looking forward to. And I think one of the things that you'll find too is the first group is always going to be, it's always going to hold a special place. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, the first group that I had uh, in my current district, um, most of those kids are now 10th, 11th graders. I, I have a middle school group. I'm actually finishing up as of this recording. Tomorrow's my last day of my seventh and eighth graders auditioning. And, you know, oh, 16, seventh and eighth graders, you know, <laughs> and yeah. actually, I actually have students, I have, I have male voices who have changed this year. Like I have bases. So I'm like the makeup of the group is changing this year because there's actually more repertoire Ooh, we could potentially handle. So that's I'm very exciting. Oh, yes. Justin. But that first group, thank you. The Mm -hmm. first group holds a special place for me because um, we figured it out together. You know, you had mentioned like we, we really is like, we knew this would work. This would not work. And what I love about, I mean, I don't know if you have a similar situation, but um, our middle school, high school complex is actually connected. So I can walk, I can walk down to high school, talk to my high school colleagues, but I'll I'll catch one of those former students in the hallway and Mm -hmm. they'll talk about how much they miss that. And that's, that still brings me joy hearing that four or five years later, you know? And, um, but that first group is always going to be something special. Cause as you said, you know, you're working at it together. You're going to learn things. They're going to learn things and you're going to make, you're going to make magic happen. That's, that's, that's really what it's going to come down to. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I, you know, as my son, Ethan told me, he said, mom, it's time. (laughs) And I, I told Rob Dietz that, and he's like, yes, Amanda, (laughs) it's time. (laughs) And so I, you know, I, I think I'm in a very, um, unusual situation that I've kind of had all of these experiences as an educator, as a parent, Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but just being connected to the world of acapella, that's been a very unusual experience. And I know that most most other choral directors kind of in my sphere haven't necessarily had that kind of access. Right. Um, and so I feel really, really, really lucky to have just kind of learned so many things just through osmosis and mm-hmm. being in the environment. And I'm really grateful for that. But I'm I'm just I'm pumped. Honestly, I'm so pumped and I'm so ready to try this. And, uh, actually we're going to go back to that, that 
our arrangement of If I Die Young by Ben Bram for our auditions. There That's my audition piece. When nice. you brought that piece up, I wanted to just laugh out loud because I was like, <laughs> my face has been in that score for the past week. Oh, yeah. You like, know, I think I can still probably I think I can still probably handle the 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 four part. I think I can still remember every single part. Because <laughs> I, I was always singing it in rehearsals. It's like, all right, right this is your, you know, right. it's like it's it's one of those that each part is independent but fits so well together it's it's one of the cool things and you know for people who, who are listening um ben is he's one of the primary arrangers for pentatonix mm-hmm. you know um outside of you know the group members themselves and yeah. uh you know one of the, i i know you had mentioned it way earlier and i i wanted to talk a little bit about it but like when you mentioned that they came back to your school this is probably what right after they won the sing-off back in 2013 i would say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um if i'm i'm trying to remember i feel like the main three you know scott kirstie and mitch they i mean Mitch, i think was like fresh out of high school so he was actually they were all very close in age to your students so i having that influence of someone who's around their age telling them you know the things that we probably tell them all the time right but actually but you know the education that those the five of those um, group members experienced to give back to your students, I think really um, helped sell acapella. It's amazing watching that group grow and and seeing where they've gone and just how many other people credit Pentatonix or even the Pitch Perfect movies for them starting their program, their acapella program. Absolutely. And, And honestly, one of my... Uh, students, uh, his name is Bishop Clark, and he um, he was the first one to go to the acapella academy. And after 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 we had that whole experience with pentatonics, he then graduated a couple of years later after go- going to the acapella academy a couple of times, and then he went to the Berkeley College of Music. Berkeley College of Music, excuse me. Whew, I said that really fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. And he. Uh, he was the base for Pitch Slapped. Nice. And yeah, so and that's, that's probably the most popular group on that campus. I mean, right? Shams, you, you know? mentioned Shams who arranged for, like, I love Shams' arrangements for that group. And just the, some of the group members that have come out of that group are just really successful now in whatever that they're doing. And, like, it's right. they're a phenomenal group. They are a phenomenal group, and and it was just wonderful to ha- have a student in there. And then, mm-hmm. of course, for several years, he would write arrangements for us, you know, for our high school. Right. And uh, and so we got our feet wet, you know, as a community yep. of singers in those kinds of arrangements, in, in all of Bishop's arrangements. You know, I'd say, I have a song that I love. Can you arrange it? He's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so... Um, he honestly, having a student so involved really taught me a ton right. and, and it helped me to just be exposed to an even deeper level. And he, he taught me so much just mm-hmm. about the genre and, um, I was really inspired by his experiences. So that was helpful as well. Cause we are lifelong learners as well. 100%. You know, it's- I, I love hearing from former students, you know, and what they're doing and things like yeah. that. And just when they teach me something, I, I feel even better, you know, because yeah. I, lo- I love hearing things like that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's the best. So so out of curiosity, yeah. um, and this is this will be kind of like the last thing we talk about is just sure. because we are back in a new school year and um, mm-hmm. with you starting with your acapella group and yep. um, 
in terms of like, you know, warmups and things like that, have you kind of developed a, a repertoire of warmups that work? Have you found something that works specifically if you're working on an acapella piece and now that you even have to temper acapella, it could be, you know, something choral that you're working on. Have you found specific things that work better than others um, in your class? You're asking specifically about like a warm-up routine? Like warm-up routine or even like specific warm-ups. Um, you know, do you do things more, um, you know, chordal? Do you, do you focus on, you know, you know, scalar patterns, things like that? Sure. Sure. Um, every warm-up procedure for us always begins with postural awareness, breath awareness, and then humming in unison. Mm-hmm. We then transition those hums into open vowels and then into chordal movement from those vowels. And then we do extensive work with solfege. Okay. So I use solfege. We actually use the kind of like sweet, you know, old fashioned to some people, the hand mm-hmm. signals for, you know, the, the, the Kodai, the solfege, and um, spend a lot of time singing in unison and then tuning chords in unison and then chords, you know, uh, that is really the warm-up routine. I have to be honest. I mean, just moving the breath, you know, moving the breath, moving the sound lip trills. I mean, we, we stretch, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we, we close our eyes, we hum. Um, it's, it's kind of very grounded and it feels very organic, but it moves from posture to breath to vibrational sound, to open vowel sound, and then into work with solfege and chordal uh, progression. Perfect. That's exactly yeah. what I do. I just <laughs> want to make sure I was on the same page. Yeah, so it's definitely not um, necessarily like little scales and arpeggiations. I mean, that does happen, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking more specifically about how we start every day. Right. Right, how we are grounded into the space, grounded into our own bodies and how we are breathing, how we are making sound and how we are listening. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how our routine uh, kind of stands at the beginning of of each rehearsal. And then obviously other exercises or other things kind of are born out of the repertoire that we're engaging with. Of course. Um, But that's how we start the day. Well, foundationally, so, that's like the most important part is to be able to listen to each other and right. any, you know, any genre you're singing. But, yeah. you know, going back to acapella, you know, if you don't lock up your chords, there's no piano helping exactly. you out. There's no instruments helping you out. So, yes, you know, exactly. you can take value in, in, in just those simplistic things that you're doing right at the beginning. And I love that right. you bring up exactly. posture too, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, being out of a classroom for 18 months, some of us forgot what posture is. Yes. You know? Or like looking yeah. at a computer screen or laying in bed while learning, I, you know, things like I that. I mean, so like, you know, my my new freshmen who are new mm-hmm. into the choir this year, they haven't had choir or singing since March of their seventh grade year. Right. Because there was there was no choir in our districts at the middle mm-hmm. school level last it's year. It's a lot of relearning. It's a lot of relearning. It's a lot of relearning. It's a lot of basics. And and honestly, that's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful to to visit that. It's wonderful for every choir, let mm-hmm. let alone an acapella ensemble. But of course, all of these all of these things are can be specifically tailored to the needs of that acapella ensemble. 
you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of just being grounded, being present, listening, singing in unison. I will say, I believe firmly that singing in unison is where you learn how to sing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just phrasing and listening and breath and all of the things that really, really matter in terms of just putting all of that together into a really meaningful and, you know, emotionally connected sound. Um, All of that is deeply important, obviously, for an acapella experience. And, you know, really, just to kind of close it out, I'll just reiterate, I am looking forward so much to seeing the development of community and the joy in my students in engaging with this kind of literature. I'm, I'm just ready for it. I th- and I think this is, this is the year to have that, you know, yes. everything with things coming back. It's, yes, we there's, there's going to be that extra emotional connection. I think that's going to happen yeah. for a lot of us this year. Yeah. Well, Amanda, I wish you, uh, I wish you luck with all the auditions. Hope oh, you figure out a name. The group you're about to hear <laughs> next, that's, that's what you go with, you know, right. but, um, all the luck with all of that and with your school year and um, everything you. else. And thank oh. you so much for joining you're me this so week welcome. on the Aka Education podcast. Thank you. All right, we will be right back. Hey everyone, this is Justin from the Aka Education Podcast here to tell you about Anchor. Anchor is what I use to create these podcasts and let me tell you, it's free. Uh, There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And the beauty of it is we'll distribute the podcast for you. So I can record on Anchor and it's going to send it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all these other places as well. And I love that I can make money from this podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Lots of great knowledge there from Amanda Hanslick, and she brings up a great point about repertoire and where to find it. So listen through to the episode again to find that stuff. Thanks again, Amanda, for joining me this week. Be sure to check out the links in the episode description for resources from this week's episode. Follow the podcast on social media at AkaEd Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow me, Justin Glodish, at OfficialJGlow on TikTok and Twitter. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're found on Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. New episodes released every Monday. You can also now tune into the podcast on Akaville Radio, akaville.org. If interested in supporting this podcast with a monthly donation, go over to anchor.fm slash podcast to do so. And if you ever have any questions about the podcast, suggestions on future guests, please email me at akaedpodcast at gmail.com or leave a voice message on the Anchor website. From the Aka Education Podcast, I'm Justin Glodish. We'll talk soon.